this morning, as we come together to worship the Lord together, uh, what a great, uh, what a great goal. I want to go ahead and dismiss our kids in children's church up to third grade. Uh, we believe it's a big deal to be in church. Amen, folks? Give them a good hand for being here. Um, Renee comes to the early service. And I don't think she stayed for this one. But she watches this service. So, Ken, I can see it now when I get home. She's been a great nurse to me over the past few weeks. And I can see now what she's going to say. Uh, you need to be a little more like him than a lot less like you, Greg. And uh, so I do want to thank you for uh, your prayers. Some of you are thinking, Brother Greg, we didn't know you had the surgery. That's exactly right. Uh, here's what I want to let the church be reminded of. Everybody who has surgery doesn't want everybody to know. Not that I was hiding anything. What I want to do is be a model for you because uh, sometimes people do not say, put me on the prayer chain, but sometimes we act as if we're the ones delegated to make everybody aware of somebody else's surgery. That's not true. Okay? Let me tell you what that is. Gossip. So we want to respect everybody. When they, when they tell us to do it, we'll do it. When they don't, we won't. But thank you for your prayers. Thank you for everyone who's reached out, for everybody who filled in. Brian did a great job preaching. Bill took care of Wednesday night. And, and I'm grateful for a church that gets the job done. Amen? Because if the Lord were to call me home this afternoon, I believe we would be in good shape knowing that we've got men and women, young people, who love Jesus and will continue to worship him regardless. So I'm doing well. Let me just tell you kind of what happened. I had an outpatient surgery that took a turn. Uh, something happened we weren't expecting. It sent me to the hospital overnight. Uh, I woke up with some restrictions, and uh, that's kind of where we've been. Uh, I saw the surgeon uh, this past week. He said, I was doing great. I feel good. Uh, felt good in the first service. Didn't preach as long. So you ought to say amen because uh, that could happen now. But thank you. I love my church, and here's what this has taught me. When I look out over the congregation weekly and see you that battle ongoing things physically, it's reminded me of how much I love you. And I thank God for you. And don't give up. You know, you know when you have physical issues, it can really kind of move you toward depression sometimes. Anybody want to say amen? It can. You don't mean it for it to, but it just gets you down. What do you mean, Brother Greg? Well, there are a few days there I didn't even feel like opening my Bible. And, 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 and let me tell you something. The less you get into your Bible, the cooler you will become in your spirit. And, uh, boy, I ask God to give me that re refreshing hunger for the Word of God, and I praise Him for it. So let's pray, okay? Boy, what a fitting song to move us into this message. God, we praise you for who you are, and we thank you for your word. So right now, we're going to open it, and Lord, it's the living word of God, the two-edged sword. It's not just a book about somebody. Lord, it's your testimony of who you are. So I pray that the Holy Spirit will move in power in this service, that if we're cold, we'll leave warm and hot, and God, that we would be reminded of how much you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, your bulletin says Exodus 12 through 14. That's where I originally thought I would begin today, 
we're not going to even get there. Exodus chapter 1. I'm going to begin the first of two sermons that I hope will lead us into, if the Lord tarries, August 22nd and the celebration of the church's 70th anniversary. I'm looking forward to it. Ronnie Floyd is looking forward to preaching here. Uh, we have a great day in store. Uh, the committee has worked hard to get us to this point. Wendy Mann has put together a great catered meal. Uh, invitations have been sent. Guests have been confirmed. Marcia is putting together a great afternoon celebration of music. And it would be easy to say, well, we're going to celebrate on the 22nd, Lord willing, and we're going to just say, hey, look at what we've done over 70 years. And that could not be further from the truth. We're going to celebrate what God has done over 70 years. And when I look at how he's blessed my life to be your pastor, this is one of my prayers. Look at me. Look at me. God, don't take your hand off of our church. Don't take, please don't take your hand off of our church. Because we can mess it up. But for your glory, thank you for your faithfulness. And thank you for your goodness. Uh, a while back, Renee and I went on vacation and we went to the beach by ourselves. We recently had changed vehicles and downsized a little bit, so we didn't have all that huge room in the back like we once had. You all know that when you go on vacation, you pack orderly. I mean, I had my bag, she had hers. Uh, uh, doesn't that sound like an older couple, her bag, my bag? You know, when you're young with kids, you throw everything into one big suitcase and somehow you make it. But uh, we had our stuff in the back, everything, our beach chairs, everything was just, just perfect. When we came home, I could not even see out of the rear view window. As a matter of fact, I told her, I'm going to have to rely heavily on the side rear view mirrors just for, to make sure we're safe. And this morning, I want to speak about looking in the rear view mirror. What do most of those mirrors say? Objects in this mirror may be closer than they actually appear. What the manufacturer of that vehicle wants you to do is be more careful than you think you have to be. Take more caution than you think you need to take. Years ago, there was a country singer. If you know who this is, raise your hand. Mac Davis. Okay, keep your hands up. Okay, young people, every, Braden, everybody with their hand up right now is old. Right now, okay? Do you, all, do you all remember? I think Mac Davis may have had a television show at one time also. But one of his hits was Texas in my rearview mirror. And he talked about Texas and leaving it behind. Well, I believe that when you think about a rearview mirror, there are some things we need to forget. But oftentimes, is when we look back, it helps us understand how grateful and how thankful we should be where we're at. Aren't you glad this morning that the Bible says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation? Old things are passed away, all things become new. You know, I said that this morning in the 8.30 and no one said anything. Nobody, I said, should that not at least get an amen. 
that Jesus died on the cross and paid for my old sinful, trashy life. The impure thoughts in my heart, Jesus died for them. And the good news is, is when he forgives you, you can leave it at the foot of the cross and go forward. Now, now decisions have circumstances, we know that, consequences. But those consequences aren't too big for Jesus, the King of Kings, to use you and to use me. And I'm amazed that when you think about looking in the rearview mirror, we're not here today because we simply are something. We're here today because there were faithful men and women who were called to serve the Lord in a place called Camden, Ohio, 1949. This church plant came here because some folks had vision and passion to bring the gospel to a small Preble County town, village. What was Dover became Camden. And here we are. I'm amazed in Scripture that when we look back, listen, we can always see how God uses people. And I want us this morning to look at the life, the birth of Moses. Exodus chapter 1, and then we'll move just a little bit into 2. If you're with me, say amen. Let's stand as we read the Word of God together. Exodus chapter 1. I'll begin with verse 6. And Joseph died, all of his brothers, and all of that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Why is that important? Because now there's a new leader in Egypt who does not remember the past. He's not aware of what God is doing. All he, all he sees is the threat of those from Israel and the threat they are to the Egyptians and his power. Verse 9, he said to the people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies, fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them. Look at verse 12. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, with harshness. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Okay, here's where we are going to begin the thought of today's message, looking in the rearview mirror. Verse 15. If you're with me, say amen. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shiprah and the name of the other was Puah. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see to them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God. And did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. 
So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and they give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt with the midwives. Oh, he dealt with them. And the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Lord Jesus, have your way this morning in this message. Help me to say what needs to be said. Keep me from rambling and and, uh, sharing things that would take us away from the heart that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Looking in the rearview mirror. You know, some things can happen when you look back. Years ago, I grew up on a street called Canary Court. My neighbor was Arville and Jerry Letford. Arville Letford is the brother of Hubert Letford. Arville is now in heaven. Uh, he was a casualty of COVID. COVID. Arville loved the Lord, and he was just a great neighbor, and he had this valiant. That was the vehicle that's sitting on the street. And I can remember one day on my cheater slick cuffy bicycle, Someone had said something to me. I looked back, and I ran into his parked car. I found out as a young boy, parked cars don't move when you hit them. Oh, I was jolted. You know, when you look back all the time, you can miss what's in front of you. Sometimes we want to stay living in the past. I, I don't apologize for being old school. Uh, Brother Greg, how would you define old school? Um, LP33s. I don't mind. I mean, if you have those, that's good for you. But what I found out was uh, a digital something on my phone is much clearer than a <laughs> LP. Hey, hey, guys, how about this? Boys, men, listen to me. How about Converse All Stars? Chuck Taylors is what they call them now. When I grew up, my mom could get them for $9.99 on sale at Beerman's. They're about $40 now. Is that crazy? But boy, if I had a pair of Chuck Taylors, if I'd have really been thinking, I would have wore them today. Chuck Taylors, pair of Levi jeans, had it all going. The only difference between me and Dave Fife growing up is I wore my Chuck Taylors and Converse and jeans, and Dave wore his Chuck Taylors and his jeans and probably had a pack of cigarettes rolled up in a sleeve. Hey, hey, there's nothing wrong with old school. Ken made a statement about how, how drift, how drift. Folks, listen to me. All we have to preach this morning is the, gospel, the Bible. If you want opinion, watch Dr. Phil. Because, or, or, or the view, holy cow. No wonder our nation is crazy. When I looked at this passage of taking the life of children, I thought this looks a little bit like America 2021. But my goodness, God had a plan. And when I look in the rearview mirror of Scripture, I see two unlikely people. You ready? Shipra and Puah. What? These midwives that God chose to use because through them a little boy named Moses would be saved and God would have a great plan, listen, not for the Israelites,
but for you and me here this morning. That's the goodness of the gospel. Now, God would use this baby boy that we're introduced to in chapter 2. Okay, go ahead and look there. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. You know, um, how many of you were like Renee and I when we had our firstborn, Drew, who just turned 36? How many of you, when you saw your child, or let's even take it another generation, or your grandchild born, thought they were the prettiest thing you've ever seen in your life? Oh, when I went down there and looked for our baby, and there was Andrew Jackson. I've never seen a head shaped like that in my life. No wonder they put a ball cap on you as soon as you're born. And, uh, and to tell you the truth, with the exception of one sign, they could put a pink or a blue hat on. You don't know if it's a boy or girl, with the exception of a sign. And there he was, and I'm telling you, he was pretty. See, God brought us here when he went to second grade. So he only went to one school, one year in Northridge, and then came here. His first year in school was second grade. That was 1994, and that was the year he broke both of his legs. You all were right there with us the whole way. Well, he was in second grade when we came here. When we had grandkids, many of you were here. And I remember the first Sunday they brought Aiden. And we brought, I had to pull him right up here on stage, and I had to show him off to you like, like I was the only grandparent in the room. Somebody help me and say, we know. I, I was so proud of him. I, I, I wanted everybody to see. What we do in life is we get our kids and our grandkids on our phone, and we show with anybody we can pictures. We send them. Social media gets them. We, we do all we can to introduce the world to our child. Not so in the life of Moses. The Bible says, even though his mother knew he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. You know why? Life or death. Life or death. Verse 3. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. A.W. Pink, a great preacher of old, uses a lot of visual pictures or anti-types in his messages. He says here that Moses is a picture of Jesus. The ark of bulrushes is a picture of salvation. God makes a way. Now, I want to introduce you to somebody when I look in the rearview mirror that stands side by side with Shipra and Puah, the midwives. You ready? Verse 4, and his sister stood afar off. 
to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the river. Uh, now remember, uh, the, the orders here that you're going to find out from Pharaoh is throw them, drown them in the river, the Nile. But here Pharaoh's daughter is bathing. Her servants identify something, verse 6. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. Now, some would say this is symbolic of, of the tears of bondage of the Israelites. And the baby wept, so she had compassion. Boy, it breaks my heart to hear kids cry. And I'm not talking about whiny cry. I'm not talking that Walmart, gimme, 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 and cry because you don't get it. I'm, I'm talking about, listen to me. I'm talking about a child who wonders where their parents are. I'm talking about a child who's never heard that God loves them and feels like they're all alone and they're young. And the Bible says she has compassion. She recognizes this is not an Egyptian. This is one of the Hebrews' children. Verse 7. Then his sister, and, and by the way, we haven't even met her yet. We don't even know her name at this point. But the Bible tells us in Numbers 26, 59, the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt. And to Amram, she bore Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. So this has to be Miriam. And she says... Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women? Now, who's saying this? Miriam. She knows who the mom is here. She knows who the birth mom of this precious baby is. That she may nurse the child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. Uh, uh, did any of you get a paycheck for raising your kids? No, you didn't do it for a paycheck. Amen? Hey, there's, there are some who want to walk away from responsibility, but I'm talking to you parents who know what blood, sweat, and tears is to take care of your kids. Men, you know what I'm talking about? laying there at night in those early days and that baby's crying and you lay there as if you're so sleepy you can't even hear it wondering when Renee's getting up thank God for the love of a mother amen my mom worries more than anybody I know for us you know why she does that that's her way of loving us that's her way of loving us and I thank God for that and, and the Bible says Pharaoh's daughter knew what to do. She takes Moses to his mother. The Bible says in verse 10, the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. Listen, this little baby now will be raised in the palace of Egypt. What a life ahead. 
And brothers and sisters, that was only the beginning. Because God was using people in Moses' life when he didn't even yet really know them. So, you don't have an outline this morning. I have three simple thoughts. Here's the first one. When you surrender your life to Christ, you never know how God's going to use you. You never know what God is going to do. Now, Shipra and Puah, they probably thought that their life was at stake. But yet the Bible says they would obey God and let the chips fall where they were going to fall. And God said, I'll take care of you, and he blesses them because they were faithful. So when you look in the rearview mirror of your life, you're going to see how God has used people in your life. For instance, Moses' life was saved as God used maidservants. Moses' life was surrendered to God by his mother. You never know how God's going to use you. As a matter of fact, parents, you never know how God's going to use your kids. You never know how God's going to use your grandkids. We never know how God's going to use the children of this church. Amen? I mean, when I look in the rearview mirror, I see faces. I see faces of faithful Sunday school teachers who taught when they were five, ten, or none. They were ready. Thank God for you that serve our kids. Thank God for you that don't just talk about it, but you do it. It's a job. It's a task. But I'm telling you, when we look in the rear view of our, uh, rear view mirror of our life, we're always going to see that we didn't arrive here on our own. We're standing on the shoulders of those who were faithful. I love that about the church. The Bible says we are the body of Christ. And as you have even demonstrated to your pastor over the past few days, that when one part of the body hurts, another part of the, part of the body helps. And we thank you for that. Here's another thought. Okay? It takes a team to be a church. Now, you've heard this said, you know, coaching or whatever. There's no I in team. And what's that supposed to mean? Kyla, what's that supposed to mean? There's no I in team. That means that uh, uh, no one is any better than anybody else or more important than anybody else. We're all here together. Let me give you an example of this. How many of you have watched any of the Olympics over the past couple weeks? Well, I've watched a lot of it. And I would dare say... I would dare say I'm as big a basketball fan as any person in this building, but have gotten a little fed up with the NBA mindset over the past few years. What I saw in the championship game was that the American team seemed to be playing like a team. They seemed to be playing defense. They seemed to be all in together. It wasn't about one person. And I began to like that. And some of these Olympic athletes, after they would win, they would drape that flag around them and have their picture taken or, or march around the track. And, and, and I began to think, you know what? Maybe it's not a lost cause after all. Maybe people are realizing that there's something bigger than themselves. It takes a team to be a church. 
um, in prayer this morning. Thank you, God, for every volunteer that's serving. You see, God uses each one specific task. The midwives did their job. Now, to tell you the truth, I was a little unfamiliar with midwives and still, until Stacy delivered her first because a midwife helped. I, I didn't, I, I'd never been around that. It's like the other day in the hospital when the nurse said, uh, Greg, I'm going to be going home. And I went, home? Who's going to take care of me? You've been here ever since I've been here. You've got to, you know, you got to stay, that kind of thing. No, God uses others. The maidservants, Moses' mother. But I'm telling you, I believe one of the unseen heroes in this whole story is Miriam because she stands to see what will happen to the baby. And I love the fact that she didn't hesitate. She reacted. She acted. And who would know that God would just have Moses' own mother take care of him? It takes a team to be a church. Whether it's the maidservants, whether it's Moses' mother, whether it's Pharaoh's daughter, God uses a team. He even used the compassion of Pharaoh's daughter's heart. To tell you the truth, ultimately God uses Pharaoh in Moses' life. And number three, God uses the circumstances of your life for us to point to him. Well, you'll say, well, Greg, I'm just not sure that God can use me. Church, I can assure you that being your pastor 30 years ago wasn't on the radar of my life. Camden, Ohio. How do we arrive in Camden, Ohio? You're here. Maybe you're here and you don't live in Camden. You say, how did I come to a church in Camden, Ohio? Because God has a plan. And what he does is he takes and I mean this with all respect, including myself, a bunch of misfits, and says, you know what? If you're available, if you're willing, if you'll be obedient, if you'll do what I say to do, I'll take care of it. Just do your part as part of the team. Now, they say, if you, if you've heard all kinds of statistics, that uh, 20% of the church does all the work. And they'll, they'll say it doesn't matter how big your church is or how small. Most of the time, uh, 20% will do the bulk of the work. Healthy churches can't function that way. You've got to spread it out. You've got to spread it out. And, and I'm grateful. Uh, some folks have called and said, Brother Greg, uh, can we mow for you? My, my goal, for, so you to know, is uh, Labor Day, to be able to get back to normal. And uh, they, they said, can we mow for you? And I've been able to say something like this. No, I've got a good mower. Been married to her for about 37 years. And she's doing a good job. And she's been a good nurse. And, and, uh, and I thank God for that. But it really makes us look, as we get a little bit older, look at me, older couples, our dependence on each other. And for those of you that have lost your spouse, 
No more taking that for granted. Don't you love your spouse more today than you did the day you got married? Look at the journey you've been on in your life. Has it been easy, Dave? No way. Hard. But what you do is you learn to embrace each other and continue to follow the Lord because sometimes in the vows we do in marriage, it's something like this. May we walk together until one of us walks into the presence of Jesus. And I thank God that he uses people. Shipron Puah. I bet you if I were a betting man that they had no clue that the king of glory would include their story in the word of God. But he says, when I look in the rearview mirror, I see Shipron Puah. Most people don't know their names, but look what they did. And then the sister of Moses. I have one sister, as you well know. My my family is hoping, planning to be here on the 70th with us. As a matter of fact, Jack Hilton from the state convention is going to be here. Steve Renfro is going to be here. And here's the picture I'd like to get. Ronnie Floyd, Jack Hilton, state convention, Steve Renfro Associational, and me as your pastor, and the whole church right behind us. That's the picture I want, because that's what the Southern Baptist Convention looks like. We're not here today just doing our own thing our own way. When you give an offering, 13% of that's going to missions. And let me tell you something, it's going to close to 8,000 missionaries worldwide. Our little percentage right here in Camden, Ohio, pooled together with a bunch of other churches for the glory of God. I love that. I love that. God uses circumstances of life for us to point to him. Um... Does anybody know who Phoebe Knapp is? I didn't think you would. She played a melody for a blind lady and asked, what does this melody say to you? And the lady replied, it says to me, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And that lady was Fanny Crosby. And she uh, proceeded to recite the first verse of the song. And they said it was not unusual for Fanny Crosby to tie into a melody. And God would speak to her heart about composing the lyrics. That's what happened years ago here in our church. In 1949, God laid upon the heart of a church planner named B.B. Castleberry that God could use him in this new work being started in Camden, Ohio. Well, there was a longtime pastor, very popular pastor, as some of you know, in the state of Ohio, named W.A. Fox. And W.A. Fox said, we can get behind a work like that. And in 1951, the church called Irwin Campbell to be their first pastor And here we are. Here we are. And when I look in the rearview mirror, it reminds me that God had a season for them to serve, and God has a season for us to serve. So this morning, just as Moses could say, 
I'm not, I didn't get here by myself. I'm standing on the shoulder of faithful people. I'm telling you that we're here today because of the faithfulness of God's people when we look in the rearview mirror. Now, I close with this. If you watch the Olympics, you may have become familiar with a young female runner named Sydney McLaughlin. She's the new world record holder in the 400-meter women's hurdles, breaking her own world record. Here's what Sydney McLaughlin wrote prior to the Olympics. I'm growing into my own person. I think the biggest difference this year is my faith, trusting God and trusting the process, knowing that he's in control of everything. As long as I put in the hard work, he's going to carry me, and I really cannot do anything more but give the glory to him at this point. On her Twitter page, she describes herself as a child of God. On an image of herself, it says, saved by grace. On her Instagram account, her bio simply says, Jesus saved me. In November, she posted a video getting baptized in the ocean at a beach in Los Angeles and said, for 21 years, I was running from the greatest gift I could ever receive, and by His grace, I've been saved. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Why are you saying that, Brother Greg? Because she said these things, win or lose, prior to running that world record pace. You know, she also ran part of the 400 relay team that won gold, and uh, someone helped me. Allison, is it Fields? Felix, Allison Felix, who became the all-time most decorated Olympian in history with 11 medals, uh, breaking the record of Carl Lewis. Guess what? God uses people. Because Sidney McLaughlin was on that team that got that 11th medal for Allison Fields, or Felix, and at the end of that race, those four girls huddled together giving God the glory, win or lose. You know what also happened in the Olympics? There was a race, an 800 race, which we all were watching uh, for Clayton Murphy to see how he would do. And, and even though he didn't do exactly what he wanted to, he came out uh, taking the high road and commending Tokyo for the great job they did in the Olympics and all that. But there was another American runner that didn't get much ink because he didn't get to the finals. And his name was Isaiah Jewett. And in that semifinal race, it didn't go nearly as planned because while rounding the final turn, now keep in mind, Isaiah Jewett was highly decorated. He was a fairly recent uh, uh, national champion, NCAA 800 runner. So this was no small potatoes runner. And rounding the final turn, trying to jockey in position, he got tangled up with a Boswanian runner named Nigel Amos, and both of them fell. Oh, it was heartbreaking. They both laid on the track for a moment and then turned to each other, helped each other up, put their arms around each other, and limped across the finish line. Isaiah Jewett was not allowed into the finals. Nigel 
was allowed because they deemed that the trip came from Isaiah Jewett. Isaiah Jewett said, I always have to finish a race. I helped Nigel up. I could see that he was devastated. He just simply apologized. And I said, let's just finish the race. Hey, I believe that's what God's saying to us. This week, next week, the 22nd, is going to be a celebration like none other. But I believe God's calling you and me. Look, everybody stand. Hey, look at me. I believe God's saying this to, to us. Let's finish the race. It may be tomorrow. It may be well after you're gone. Let's finish the race. Why? Because when I look into the rearview mirror of my life, I believe we can echo with the Hebrew writer, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I believe they're, they're cheering us on. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor's not in vain. What's Paul saying? Don't you quit. Heaven will be worth it. Amen. Those of you in this room that have lost loved ones that are in heaven, let me tell you, they wouldn't come back if they could. They're longing for the day you join them. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Make sure you understand something, church. You will not join a loved one in heaven if you're not saved. Brother Greg, what, I need, what do I need to be saved then? Tell me. First of all, you need to recognize you're a sinner. In the quietness of your heart, just say, Lord, I, I believe it. I'm a sinner. Your word says it. And I believe that my sin separates me from you. Would you come into my heart and save me? I believe you died on the cross and my name was on it. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and save me. You're my only hope. And I place my faith in you right now. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God heard you. And that's what matters. That's what matters. Some of you prayed that prayer a long time ago, but you've never followed in baptism. Got some good news for you. We're going to baptize on August 22nd. Once you come today and say, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. God, whatever you're doing in our hearts right now at this moment, keep on speaking help us to respond in obedience in Jesus name amen I love the fact that uh, Marsha picked this song for the invitation and I just don't want us to just sing it quietly and I, I want us to sing this with passion wherever he leads I'll go Shipron Puol said okay God if we're going to do this you got to take care of us Moses' sister said, okay, God, you got to take care of him. You got to take care of him. If you prayed to receive Christ today, come let me know. Come on. Somebody will walk with you. If there are any other decisions that need to be made, if you want to pray, you're always welcome to do that. Okay? But let's lift our voices. Let's sing this to the Lord. Ready? Take
Here it is. You ready? Lift your voice. Sing it. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow Christ who loves me so. Thank you for your attention this morning. I know I've gone a little long. I apologize for that. But uh, I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you're a guest, maybe your first time attender, uh, if you'll notice in your bulletin, there's a little tear out. If you would take that, jot down a few things for us. You can drop them in the offering boxes on the way out. That'll give us a record of your attendance, and we certainly want to say we're glad to have you. Amen, church. Also, I want to thank the church for your faithful giving. We have several ways to give. One of those ways is in person. You'll see the offering boxes on the inside of the doors and also online. Uh, Keith, raise your hand, if you will. Keith Ballinger. Keith does a great job of taking care of all that online giving for us. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness in that area as well.